0: Thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Well, we've been going through the book of Mark. Open up the app. I want you to follow along with me in the book of Mark, and we're gonna be in Mark chapter 2 and verse 18. But as we get ready to get started, can I ask you this question? For those of you that read the Bible, have studied the Bible in the Bible, how many of you have read a passage of scripture and it just didn't make sense or you didn't understand it? Am I the only one? I'm just making, if I'm the only one, then maybe I'm, I'm in trouble here. Almost all of us, right? We've read some passages of scripture and went, what is that all about? Like, what, is, what does that mean? What is, it, what is the Bible wanting for me or what is it asking me to do? Well, I just want to confess at the very beginning here today that the passage we are going to look at today is one of those passages for me. For years, I could preach on the first part of that passage, fasting, or I could preach on the second part of that passage where it talks about new wine into old wineskins. And I'd studied and I understood all the things that people tried to make it out to be. But as someone who is involved in theology and wants to parse the scriptures exactly and be hermeneutically sound, meaning study the scripture to see what it really is interpreting for those that were there that day and for us. That story is one story, not two. And when I put that story together, what does fasting have to do with old wine, or old wine skins or new wine? What does what fasting have to do with, with actually old clothes that have tears in them and maybe new patches? And how does that all work together? Anybody else had that same problem or just me? I'm gonna see if anybody else is gonna learn anything with me today. But as I started diving into all of this, I realized that, that it does go together because Jesus brought it together. He was asked a question about fasting and then he started all this dialogue. But in your notes now, hopefully you're already there and you've tuned in, it all comes down to this one thing. Spiritual habits should be a response, not a religious ritual. Spiritual habits should be a response, and we'll talk about this later, but not a religious ritual. Let's look, at the, let's look at the passage. Verse 18, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and some of the people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Now, John's disciples may have been fasting because John is in prison. We've already learned that through the book of Mark. And when Jesus asks about the disciples and fasting, he immediately takes them to a wedding feast. Look at verse 19. How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. So as long as they have them with him, by the, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will begin to fast. Now wedding feast a time, is a time of rejoicing. It's, not, it's a time of feasting, not fasting. So indeed the Jewish wedding during Jesus' day when they were all brought together, they waited for the groom to be present, he was the host, and when he was present they'd bring out all of the food and the feast would begin. In fact, it would be inappropriate to show up for a wedding where all of this food, that would, all of this feasting would happen for more than one day. Sometimes the wedding feast would go on for a week. It would be inappropriate to show up, bring your gifts, set it on the table as you walked in, and they' bring in course after course after course. You're like, oh, I'm fasting. Look at me, look at how spiritual I am, I'm fasting. And they're like, no, Jesus like, now's not the time for fasting, now's the time for feasting. And the Messiah's millennial kingdom is often linked to a wedding feast where Christ is the host. He is pictured as having invited guests who are assembled not to fast, but to feast. And Jesus proclaimed this, that the kingdom of heaven is near. It was inappropriate then for those invited guests to come in, those who had received the message that the kingdom of heaven is near, to begin to fast while the host, Jesus, is present. And Jesus talks about his death and his Ascension and his ministry here, even though they couldn't understand, look in verse 20, By the time, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken. He's already foreshadowing his death. Like, I am going to leave. And when I leave, that will be the moment. That will be the time that my followers will begin to fast. So since fast is the backdrop to the rest of this passage, let's talk about fasting really quickly in your notes. Fasting in the Old Testament, did you know there are 1,613 commands in the Old Testament and not one of them say fast? There's a lot of do this and don't do that, and do this and don't do that. In fact, 613 times it says to do this and don't do that, but not once does it say fast. There's there's one time that it says that, that you should take a part of your day and fast, and that is on the Day of Atonement, so fasting is not as a command found in the Old Testament, but fasting is in the Old Testament. Remember what we said at the very beginning. It was a response, but it was not a ritual. Here's a few times where people fasted in the Old Testament. They fasted when there was a threat of war. They fasted when a loved one was sick. They fasted when a loved one had died. They fasted when they were seeking God's forgiveness as a result of sin in their life. They fasted when they were facing impending danger. So we see fasting as a response to war, sickness, mourning, sin, and danger, but it was not a religious ritual. It was a response. Look at the New Testament. In the New Testament, there's plenty of examples of fasting again. But just like the Old Testament, when done correctly, it was in response. It was not a so of, three of you are learning, thank you. It was a response, it was not a ritual. But here's the problem. Somewhere along the way, it was turned into a ritual instead of a response, especially among the Pharisees. They focused on the ritual aspect of fasting much like so many people do today. And by the way, as we break our 21-day fast today, some of you just fasted because pastor said so. My guess is you got not much out of the fast. Maybe you lost some LB, you know, LBSs, right? You got down some few pounds. But if you only did it because I said so, you probably didn't get much else out of it. But if your whole heart was in it and you're saying, I'm doing this out a response to something in my life, I want to get closer to God. I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to see God move in my life. And these are the things that I'm bringing. I'm going to leave the rest into God's hands. But I'm fasting for this reason. Well, then my guess is, is that God began to do something in you. See, it's a response. It's not a ritual. How do we know this change took place? Because Jesus tells us this story in Luke chapter 18. Starting verse thirteen says to some who were confident in their own righteousness. Isn't that interesting? That they were confident in their own righteousness. Now I hope that's not anybody in this place, but there is such a thing a spiritual pride, where we begin to think, "Wow, I'm, I'm so look at how far I've come, look at how smart that I've become, and look at what all that God has done in my look at all the answers to prayer that I've look at everything that's happened in my life." And it's easy to let pride begin to creep into our life and we begin to then think that we're better than we really are. And this person that was confident on religion, it goes on to say, and they looked down upon everyone else. And then Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. You know tax collectors, they were the worst of the worst in that day, right? They skimmed off the top, they lived in the best houses, they ate the best food, had the best parties, had the best everything because they could afford it. They were the center of all sinners. Two men went up, one was a Pharisee, one collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I am not like these other people. I mean robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here who's sitting on the pew right beside me. Heaven forbid, I should probably move seats. I fast twice a week, every Monday and Thursday, the Pharisees fasted. And I give a tenth. Now can I stop right here? Is it okay to fast? Yes, or I wouldn't have asked us to do it for 21 days. Are we supposed to bring a tithe, a tenth of our of all of our first fruits to the Lord? We commanded, yes. Yes, but it's a response out of a love for God in building his kingdom, not a ritual. That's why we bring the tithe each and every time. We bring it, we say, God, out of love for you, out of your kingdom, oh, I wanna honor you, I wanna see your kingdom established, but it's not a ritual. So he's doing what God has commanded, but what God commanded can become a ritual if we let it. See, I fast twice a week, so spiritual. I give a tenth, I make sure. I guarantee he was not a generous giver. He's not giving 11%. He said 10. I'm only giving give it 10%. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and he kept saying, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, verse 14, went home justified before God for all who, for all Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and for those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, fasting had become a place for pride instead of a source for brokenness and humility. There shouldn't be any pride in the doing, that's ritual. But brokenness and humility comes out of the response that we wanna honor and love God. So let me be clear, is fasting okay? Yes, Jesus did it for 40 days in the New Testament. Right? We've already seen that. It is okay to fast, but we don't want to make it a ritual. We want to make it a response on what God asks us to do or what God is doing in our life, or because we need God to move. So let me just give you in your notes now some finishing thoughts. I'm going to move quickly. But God wants an obedient response, not a ritual ritualistic sacrifice. He wants an obedient response. Samuel was speaking to Saul and Saul had kind of gone sideways and gotten away from God. And he speaks to him first Samuel 15 he said, "Has the Lord has the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices." Like, can you is, did God ask for burnt offerings? He did, didn't he? But he said, "Is that what God wants?" And obeying the voice of the Lord, he said, No, no, obedience to obey is better than sacrifices. And to heed is that and better than fat of rams. For rebellion, listen to this for rebellion, teenagers, anybody else, you to your work or your spouse, your work, you know, your workplace, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness, anybody stubborn in the room? Listen. For stubbornness is an iniquity sin and it is idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. He said, I require obedience, a response, not a, not a ritual. Some religious rituals can be helpful, of course. They point us to something that is incredibly powerful and meaningful. But rituals, listen to me, minus obedience equals nothing. You get that? Rituals minus obedience equals nothing. So when we begin to place the importance upon rituals, here's what happens. When we place the importance upon rituals, then every time we get to do the ritual, then we feel that God is pleased with us. But every time we don't do the ritual, then all of a sudden we feel that God is displeased with us. So how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Right? How many of you have already at least broken one of those? Right? And for a lot of people, so I'm gonna pray every day. Did you break that one? I'm gonna read my Bible every single day. Did you break that? I'm gonna do the 40-day reset in the morning. Every morning, that's gonna be my first. Did you break that yet, right? I'm going to do, and we've already broken that. And if the way that you're serving God is through ritual, and you put this out before God, and you say, boy, as long as I follow these steps, and I do them exactly the way I'm supposed to, and I check off every box, then God is pleased. But the moment that you can't measure up to that and you'll never measure up because when you try to do that, you're living under the law. And the moment you put yourself under law and the moment you say, man, I didn't check the box today, God's not displeased. Can I tell you, that's not God at all. That is not the God I serve. And that's what Jesus is not, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. That is the old way. That is not what he came to bring us. Life, new life, abundant life in Christ. The good number two, response produces maturity, but ritual focuses on a plan. Let me just use the backdrop, Micah 6, for it says this. What with what shall I come before the Lord? When we come on Sundays and we come to the house of God, we come here. What are we going to bring to God? Shall I bow down? There's nothing wrong with that. Shall I bow down and exalt God? Absolutely. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? He was requiring that with the calves of one year old. Or would it please the Lord if I bring a 1,000 lambs? Is he supposed to do that? Yeah, he said that they could do that. Or 10,000 rivers of even olive oil. Yeah, you could just bring it up. We'll light up as incense before the Lord. We'll do it. But what shall I do? Look at verse eight. For he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. This is what is required of you. Okay, what is it? It's none of the ritual things that they were thinking about. He said, I want you to act justly. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly before the Lord. See in your notes, what is God looking for? Number one, God is looking for justice right out of this passage. What is that? It's caring for the rights of others. In other words, you stand up for what's right. I love the definition of righteousness that I learned years and years and years and years ago. Just a simple definition of it is doing the right thing at the right time with the right attitude. That's righteousness. And when you see something that's not right, that somebody's being treated unjustly, you just stand up and you say, that's not right. That's not right. Number two is mercy. Aren't you glad for God's mercy that endures? That it's made new to us every morning? He must know, he, he must have known that we need mercy every single day of our life because he provided new mercy every single day. It wasn't like I give it to you once, you don't need it anymore, I gave it to you. No, he's like, no, you guys need it. <laughs> Monday morning comes along, no, you need some more, right? Tuesday morning comes along and go, God, I feel good today. You go, no, no, you need it, you don't know, You need you need it. <laughs> well, Lord, Wednesday, I haven't even done anything yet or thought any bad thoughts. You need it still, here it is. Every morning, new mercies, we need it. Why, because what's mercy? That means we're quick to forgive and we overlook an offense. How we doing? Are you on the response side or the ritual side? Quick to forgive and overlook an offense. And then he says, humility, walk humbly before your God. You know what that is? It's treating others better than ourselves. By the way, that's in the New Testament. Jesus said, or Paul said rather, I want you to treat all others better than yourself. You mean everyone? Well, that's what it says. It says all. You know, you look that up in the Greek. You you know, parse that. Go into all your. You know, you look up the word all. You know what it means? All, everyone, everyone. Well, God, there's some people that I think maybe are this. Maybe a little bit like I'm better. No, no. You treat everyone better than yourself. So how are we doing? Why is humility so important to God? Because how many of you need grace? I do. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he fights, he wars, he actually resists the proud. In the last one, it's not a part of this verse, but I had to throw it in because it goes right back to what Jesus said, everything hinges upon this, love. Love. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, and that's really cool. I mean, if you could do that, right? That's really awesome. He said, but if you have not love, then you're a resounding gong. You're, you're, you're a clanging cymbal. You're a nothing. And if the passage stopped right there, it would allow us to create our own definition of love. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so then love must be this. And God says, no, you'll get it wrong. You'll mess it up. Let me just help you to understand what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. All right, how you doing? See, this is the response that we have to God. It's not a ritual. It's not, yes, we're supposed to come to the house of the Lord and forsake not the assembly, but we can't make it a ritual. We come because we want to meet with the creator of heaven and earth, and we're bringing our sacrifice of praise, and we're lifting it up to the heavens. We're saying, God, meet with us here. We need you. <laughs> it's not a box that we check off. It's out of love for God so we can stay walking in the love of Christ for others because we can't love the unlovable or make all other, we can't love all all those that are better than ourselves. We can't treat people like that without love, without humility, and that only comes with a relationship with God. So see, they came and they questioned Jesus about fasting, but Jesus used it as an opportunity to speak to a much more important point, That you want to know about a ritual, but I'm really more concerned about who you are in response to something that I'm bringing. Well, what is he bringing? Let's look. Verse 21. No one sews a patch on unshrunk cloths on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old one, making the tear even worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Like, who does that? Because otherwise the new wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. So no, they do not pour new wine into new wineskins. What is Jesus implying? In your notes, number one, his teaching would be the new wine and require new wineskins. With the Pharisees standing there and with everybody there listening, he said it's not about a ritual or an old system or an old covenant It's going to require new wineskins if you want to receive the new message that I'm bringing. No wonder he has to create a new heart in us first. So when you gave your life to Christ, behold, all things became new. The old was passed away. He was putting away the old system. He's putting away the old that was in it so that he could create room for that new wine to be poured into our hearts so that we can begin to understand what God was trying to accomplish in and through our lives. And then number two, the new wine brings blessings to those who believe and obey you see, these two parables clearly indicate that Christ did not come to reform the old or worn out system, but to actually introduce something new to them. And what is that new thing? It's the gospel. See, when we look at this in light of the entire chapter and the chapters on both sides in the entire book of Mark, what do we understand? Go back to verse one, what was it? Here is the beginning of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the son of God. And then, Mark will let us know. Jesus started preaching about the good news, telling everybody that the kingdom of heaven is near him. And then here we go back to this, and he's saying, there's something new that's coming. What is that new? What is happening? Yes, Lord. Woo! hallelujah. What is happening? He says, it's the gospel. And it's going to require Obedience. It's gonna require something new to happen on the inside of you. The new is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. For you simply cannot make an old garment acceptable by superimposing something new on it. And he was offering rather actually introducing something new and separate from the old and the old system and the old paradigm and the old religious and the old ritual that required a response to an invitation to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb to be able to receive this thing that's new. Hebrews chapter eight, verse 13, write that down in your notes for those of you who kept your phones open. Because this one verse ties it all in and we're done. By calling this covenant new, and we know this covenant was new, the gospel was new, don't we? Jesus sat there with the disciples on the last supper that he had with them. And he said, this is the new covenant, which I'm giving to you, which is found in my blood. It's for the forgiveness of sin. It's a new covenant. He was was making it, in case you didn't get the last three and a half years walking around with me, let me help you. This is new. This is new. In case you didn't get it all the way back when I talked about you know the patch on the garment and the new one. In case you didn't get that, let me help you. This is a new covenant. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. He's saying, listen, the new covenant, the gospel of Jesus Christ has come. And if you will obey it, it will change your life. It will bring new life to you, life to the full, life of abundance, it'll bring life. And so let me, let me just ask, let me just ask, because we have to answer this question before I let you go. And you got to wrestle with it all week long. Are you more ritual or more response? Is your heart turned towards the things of God over here where you're like, God, I want to obey. Every day when I read the word, I'm looking for how can I apply this? What can I do? How can I apply it to my life? I'm listening to the voice of the spirit. When I'm praying, I'm listening for the voice of God, those little, that small, still voice to help me. And I'm over here in response mode to whatever you're asking me to, do, or are you over here? And you may be doing good things that are bringing no results. I'm reading my Bible chapter day. Nothing wrong with it. I'm coming to church every week, nothing wrong with, commanded to do it, just like in the Old Testament, they were commanded, but that's not what was pleasing to God, was it? Showing up here every week, nothing wrong with, we should do it, right? Commanded by God, forsaken But if we are living in ritual and not in response mode, then we don't have relationship. You getting that? If we live in ritual without response, we don't have relationship. And friend, it's all about relationship. And that's why Jesus came to change the paradigm, to change it all. The old is obsolete. You need something new. And I'm coming to bring it to you. And it's called the good news. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. that's what causes the author of scripture to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you know him, he's good. His message is good. And his life for you is good. Close your eyes, bow your heads. As you're wrestling with that ritual response question, Maybe you're just in a new way saying, Lord, I, I want to I be more sensitive to your word, to your spirit. I want to be more responsive, and more applicable to what you're trying to do when I read your word. Maybe that's your prayer. But Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. It all starts with that. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life won't be who to marry, where to live, where to work. The most important decision you'll ever make in in life is the decision to ask Jesus Christ in your life. That's the good news. That when you were lost, and you're lost, friend, you're lost. When you were lost in your transgressions and sin, and there's never been a person I met that said, I've got it all figured out, I'm perfect. Not one, no, no, not one. That means your sin is before you. When you were lost, Jesus said, I'm going to prove my love for you in this. That while you are still a sinner, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to shed my blood for you. I'm going to give my life for you so that you might have life and life to the full, life everlasting. That's where it all begins in that moment of decision. There is nothing that you have done that will exempt you from receiving God's love this morning. In fact, I've said it before and I'll say it again and we'll pray. If there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less, he loves you with an everlasting love. And If you need to come back to Christ and give your life to him, or if maybe this is the first time you're watching online, this is the first time you've encountered Christ in this way, I'm asking you to stop whatever you're doing right now and join us in this prayer. And when I count the three, Whatever you're doing there and whatever you're doing right here, you're gonna slip your hand up and say, yes, I need Jesus. One, two, come on right now. Three, put it up. So I'm asking Jesus to come into my life. Yes, 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 yes. I see those hands online. God sees every one of your hands and he more importantly knows your heart. Keep them up as high as you can and pray this prayer, everyone with me. Say, dear Jesus, I am choosing to make you my savior and Lord. I confess that I am a sinner. Thank you for loving me and bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, isn't that awesome? Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at FaithChapelSD. See you real soon.